What is up, Everlast? How are we doing? Yes, it's so good to see everybody. Well, hey, my name is Kev. I'm the, uh, I get, by God's grace, get to be the young adult pastor here. It's such an honor. And um, uh, Everlast, obviously, is our young adult ministry here at Calvary Worship Center. And so welcome, welcome. If you are new, thank you for coming. We're glad that you're here. If you could please afterwards go out to the Life Center. We um, just have a gift for you just to say thank you for coming. And uh, also, if you haven't met me personally or my lovely wife, Tina, our young adult coordinator, our, our leaders, our volunteers, please come find us. We're in our new awesome shirts. Yes. I, I, listen, I am a byproduct of the 80s and 90s. Hence the logo. Love it. It's so good. So seriously, uh, please come find us. We're in these shirts tonight. Most of us are, for that matter. And uh, yeah, grab your shirt uh, afterwards. Grab, grab them. They're awesome. Here we go. So, uh, yes, tonight, this is where we, uh, be, be ready to cue the, aw, ready? Tonight we end the series, Promises. <laughs> Does it make it awe if I, I have I had to ask y'all to, to, to cue that? Maybe, maybe it wasn't a true awe. Maybe, but anyways, no, this, y'all, this, this, uh, this series has been so, I know for me, uh, and we pray and hope for you, uh, encouraging uh, to, just to, to grow in our understanding of just how much God is truly for us. The God of the universe is for us and ultimately for his, his glory. And if you've missed any of the sermons, they're, of course, on our podcast. You can check that out on Spotify or the Apple Podcast app or whatever. So uh, all of them are there. But So tonight we conclude um, our series and promises with the, this particular promise that I'm really, really excited. Uh, I really believe uh, that God has a word for us tonight in this. I really do. And uh, this promise is this, that God promises to keep us. God promises to keep us. So if you could turn with me to Psalm 121, that's going to be our anchor passage tonight. Psalm 121. And as you're turning there, uh, let's go ahead and pray again together. Well, Father, we just come to you right now, and um, we honor you, Lord, and we, we, we thank you, God, for who you are, and we thank you, Lord, for all that you're doing in our midst, in our young adult ministry here, and our church as a whole at Calvary Worship Center. God, I mean, last week, uh, two dudes decided to follow Jesus here at Everlast. We just celebrate, Lord, what you're doing. And, and God, we are. We're, help us not be distracted with quantity, but rather quality. God, we don't want to be a mile wide and an inch deep. We, we want to grow vertically in you. Mature us, Lord. And I pray that you would do that tonight. As we continue in worship through your word, that you would speak to us, God. Please speak to us. I tell you what, I'd encourage you, encourage you just pray that for your heart. Say, God, would you speak to me tonight? And next, I would encourage you to do that for the person on your left and right. As a matter of fact, just those around you, just pray this. God, speak to them tonight. And lastly, I would kindly ask that you'd please pray for me that God would use me tonight 
um, this wouldn't be man's opinion. That's pointless, but that his word would speak through me, that I would be helpful for you and clear tonight. Father, we love you. We commit this time to you. Speak to us, please. In Jesus' name, I ask these things. Amen. Amen. Can we say amen loud and proud? Yeah. Well, crazy enough, Everlast, crazy enough. The first time I ever ran out of gas and the first time I ever hitchhiked were both in the same night. They were both in the same night. About 10 years ago, um, I've shared this story often. This is kind of one of the doozy stories of, you know, I've got a lot of different stories with my band and I. By God's grace, we're able to tour the country and uh, even, even uh, internationally. And, and I've been able to lead worship in a lot of really sweet places by God's grace. And uh, my bandmates, they're amazing. They're my brothers. They stood with me when I got married to my sweetheart and everything. But, uh, yeah, so 10 years ago, though, this night we were traveling to lead worship at an event in New Mexico. And, uh, yeah, we, one New, Me- New Mexican tonight. Uh, uh, right? Is that how you say that? I'm a Texan, so. Anyways, amen. Uh, so we went to New Mexico. I love New Mexico. New Mexico is great. New Mexico has Blake's Burger. It's a great place. It's kind of like Texas's uh, uh, Whataburger or like, you know, uh, California's In-N-Out. But Blake's Burger. yeah, we would go there. We were looking forward to this trip. Not just for the burgers, but we were looking forward to going uh, to, to lead worship. Anyways, my drummer and I, his name's Charlie, we were always the ones that uh, over the, ten, the decade of, of us traveling together, uh, we were the ones that would drive. I drove and he drove. No, no particular reason. We just really liked to, and it just be kind of became a thing. And so uh, this particular night, though, uh, my cousin, his name's Steven, he, he drove, and we were driving through the night. We, we had just come from a different event. And so this story, by the way, took place. It was about 1 a.m. And uh, so my cousin, we were both, me and Charlie were pretty tired. Our other bandmate, his name's Curtis. He's 6'5", so his designated seat is the front seat. <laughs> and, so, uh, and so anyways, uh, Stephen, he said, dude, I'll drive. We're like, dude, totally, we're tired. We're no problem. Thank you so much. You know, he got, he got in the driver's seat. By the way, the, 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 the gas station we stopped at before, we, uh, we rented a red box. By the way, what I'm about to say, please don't do this ever, ever. But this was back in the day, like, uh, cars didn't have screens. Like, we had a portable DVD player, and it was like this big box. And we, like, opened it up. And red box was, like, really huge then. And so we were like, we, we rented a red box. It was like when it first, the kiosk first came out. Give or take, yeah, yeah. And so the guys, they outvoted me, and they wanted to rent a scary movie. And I don't do, I don't do scary movies ever, you know. No way, Jose. That's not, that's not my cup of tea. No way. Nor is Tina's. You know, give me a rom-com, I'm happy. You know, uh, I'm not your typical dude. All the ladies like, yeah, amen. Um, so we rented this scary movie. And uh, so, yeah, so just remember that. Steven starts driving, you know, and we're on this one gas tank, and we're, we're blowing and going. And we're watching this scary movie. We're in the middle of the desert. There's no lights. The scary movie. I'm in the back. Just see, just like, I hate my life right now. The, I'm so mad at my dudes. So we watch it. And then all of a, all of a sudden, my cousin Steven slams down the, the box DVD player thing. Bam. 
turns on the cab lights. He says, dudes. And so, and I, I was like, what? I was like, what? What? And, uh, you know, this, I was, this scary movie was influencing my, my oh, yeah. And he said, he said, just bug-eyed. He was looking at the road. He said, the needle's been on E, and I don't know how long it's been on E. And we're like, dude, shut up. What, whatever. Just stop being an idiot, you know. That's the best advice we always gave each other, don't be an idiot. Because we would, you know, we would think about an, an idiot and what would an idiot do and don't do that thing. And that's our advice. That's a great, great advice. We give it all the time. And he's like, dude, come on, stop being an idiot. He's like, dude, I'm not. And we looked and we're like, dude, what, what, why, what were you doing? He's like, it's a movie. It's, I was scared. You know, he was watching it too much and he, he wasn't paying attention. Again, don't, don't ever, ever do that. We were not, we were idiots. We were idiots. Um, so uh, we were out of gas. And so sure enough, a few moments later, click, clunk. Out, and so, by the way, we're in my, my, uh, I, I, uh, my pickup, and we were pulling our, our trailer full of gear, our, all of our gear, every, everything, just the heavy, big trailer, pulling it, and, and we run out of gas, and then we're finished, and we're, 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 we're trying to think, what, what do we do? What do we do? Uh, we don't know what to do. And so we were like, okay, great idea. Once it slows down just enough, we'll all jump out and push it while it has momentum. So this is the first time, let me just say, in this moment where I would b boldly say God kept us. We, we got out. And have you ever been in a car ride for a long time and then you stand, you get out of the car? Are you, are you sore at all? Are you kind of, or, you know, you're kind of like, oh, you know, the, the pain? Yeah, get out and start sprinting and pushing a truck and a trailer. And we all collaborate all out to get all out loud we're like oh dude dude this oh dude my my hamstring I didn't stretch oh dude my butt all these things we're just so we're, we're and dude God kept us because honestly we could have like because of how we felt we could have tripped and then clunk clunk and then you know trailer over uh you know Charlie was the slowest so if he if if we were faster than him we're good um so yeah God kept us and sure enough Sure enough, it wasn't like a, a steep hill. It was a kind of a low-grade hill, and we ran out of gas at the top. And right when we came over, deep, just way in the distance, a love's truck sign. We were like, oh, you know, like, and so second thing, God kept us again. He kept us. We were like, okay, sweet. So, and then uh, uh, Stephen was like, what do we do? And we're like, bro, what do we do? What are you doing? You're walking to get in this gas. He's like, okay, dude. And I was like, dude, I'm not going to leave you hanging. Although I'm ticked off at you right now, I'm not going to leave my bro hanging. I'm going to walk with you. So Curtis and Charlie stayed with the truck and the gear because, you know, we're in the desert and the scary movie and something might happen. So stay with the gear. It's a wise thing to do. We walked. So proceed. But we're walking. I think it was a, a, probably honestly like, like um, quite a, like three miles. Like it was, it was far, like horizon, long walk for us. And uh, um, we're walking. We were about a mile and a half down in the walk. We turn around and we see a massive 18-wheeler rig pulling up to the truck and trailer. It is uh, pulling up to it. We call on our flip phones. We don't have smartphones then. We call them and we're like, and, and, uh, I'm sorry, Curtis and Charlie called me and Steve was like, dude, 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 what do we do? What do we do? We're like, dude, wh what do you mean what do you do? Ask him for help. And they're like, no, dude, we're scared. We're scared. We're, we can't, we're not going to ask him. We're hiding. We're like, why are you hiding? Don't hide. It's the, what? And then the 18-wheeler's the lights all the, remember, the scary movies is playing in her mind the whole time. 
where the, the 18-wheeler sees us walking in the distance, thinks it's, you know, it is us, and, and then he pulls off, and we're like, dudes, he's coming towards us, and the Charlie girls, they're, they're like, oh, sorry, sorry, man, sorry, man, we love you, we're praying for you, and they hung up, and we're like, what, what idiots, you know, like, they just, what friends are they? They're not friends, they're, they we don't love them anymore, and so we, the 18-wheeler, sure enough, pulls up ahead of us, it stops. We walk up, and I'm, I go up to I'm tell my cousin, I'm like, dude, I'll, I, I, I hate you, man, but I love you. Dude, if this, if this is it. We're going, like, worst-case scenarios. We pull up, and the 18-wheeler is obviously tall. We, 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 we kind of knock on it, and the, this, the, the guy, the, the driver, pulls over. Uh, you know, I'm sorry, he, he leans over, opens up, and he says, get in, get in. We couldn't understand the accent. As he opens it, a crowbar falls out to the ground, clunk, clunk, big crowbar, and me and Steven are like, dude, this, this, is, this is the murder weapon. This is it. We are dying. Steven picks it up and hands it. I mean, he keeps saying, get in, get in. This dude is from, he said he's from Germany. He's been here since 82, but he didn't really have, his English was awful. So we're like, what's this guy's story? Like, dude, he doesn't, he can't really speak English, and he's been here since 82, and he says he's from Germany. Thick German accent. Steven sits, Steven's sitting in the back in the cab, and his cab was really dirty. Was, we were like, oh, dude. By the way, in the cab, there was a chicken, a real living chicken, sitting on this dude's pillow, sitting on this dude's pillow, pecking at my cousin the whole time. I'm, I'm talking to the dude, and I'm like, <laughs> I'm talking to him, like, dude, we're wanting to go to this, uh, this, this gas station down, you know, like right there, right there. And he's like, yes, I know, I know. Uh, you know, I, I'm not, uh, sorry, sorry, man. Thank you, but sorry, yeah. And then Steven's looking at me like, I'm looking at him in the back. And he, and, you know, and so anyways, praise God. Third thing, we were kept again. He pulls over like, okay, sweet, not going to murder us, not going to kidnap us. We're going to the gas station. We're good to go. We get out. We're like, thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. He proceeds to say, get out, get out. We get out. We walk up, and Stephen's like, dude, you don't understand. And I'm like, what do you mean I don't understand? He's like, dude, you don't understand. I said, dude, if you say that one more time, I'm going to go, I'm going to find that dude's crowbar and kill you myself. And he said, dude, there was a chicken. And I'm like, what? He said, dude, there's a chicken poking at me, pecking at me the whole time. I didn't see the chicken. We're freaking out. It's just like, what? what? This is the random, most random weird story. We get gas. Praise God. They had one can left. One can. God kept us again. We got one can I think it was like a one-gallon can, you know. And my truck gets like 12 miles a gallon. We're like doing the math. Anyways, we walk all the way back, fill it up, go to the gas station. We were done. The strangest, weirdest night of my life. Crazy. We worked through it. We, we, now, obviously, we crack up. I, the story honestly, honestly goes further and further. But we looked back, and we were like, man, praise God. He just kept keeping us. We kept going. And the, the, although like, things just kept going away, uh, he, going wrong, he, he, uh, he kept keeping us. And so there were so many curveballs thrown at us on that trip. And the road that we were on, y'all, was so, so uncertain. Like, we didn't know what was going to happen. Are we going to die? Is the scary movie going to play out to, in, its, in our lives right now? All the things, all the ludicrous things, but all the actual things. Like, well, how, how are we going to do this? But God literally kept, keep, kept keeping us. He kept keeping us. And you see, Psalm 121 Let's go there real quick. Psalm 121. I'm going to read the whole thing. It reads this. I lift my eyes to the hill. I'm sorry. I lift, I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. Can someone say amen to that? 
He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The Lord, I'm sorry, the sun shall not strike you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. Y'all, this psalm, uh, rather this song, in essence, uh, uh, was for uh, rough and uncertain roads. If you notice over and over again, it says that the Lord will keep you, right? Well, the word keep we see repeated in this psalm is actually the Hebrew word shamar, which means to keep, guard, um, watch over, attend to carefully. That's exactly what that Hebrew word means. The psalm was written because the long road to Jerusalem uh, was really very dangerous. Uh, and it, honestly, it, it's a direct reflection of the very dangerous world that we live in today. The world in which Satan prowls and, and, and sin tempts and death lurks. So just like the sojourner to, to Jerusalem you know, felt their need to be kept by God, we too feel it in the world that we live in today. You can kind of, you know, when we read this, if you really just sit with it for a sec, encourage you everlast, don't just breeze. Pastor Al tells me all the time, don't just get through the word, let the word get through you. Like, you know, read the Bible until the Bible reads you. You know, don't just breeze past it. So when you just sit in this passage, you can kind of sense this insecurity and, and uh, this uncertainty in the opening of, uh, of, the, of this opening line of this psalm. He said, right, I lift up my eyes to the hills. From, from where, do my help, where does my help come from? Now, we don't know what was in the imagination of, of, the, of this psalmist, this writer, whether the hills were, you know, hiding dangerous enemies um, or, or they were simply left, or, you know, this psalmist was simply left alone with no allies. Either way, these hills he wrote about made him feel small, um, vulnerable, helpless, where in essence, he kind of, he asked it this way, who will help me now? Who will help me now? Everlast. What quote unquote hills are surrounding you right now? Think about that question just for a second. Focus in on me real quick. Like what, what hills are surrounding you? Maybe the hill is your, is your own mind. You just can't seem to get past the anxiety that hits you randomly throughout your day. Your mind feels foggy, and, and, and the trek to get away from the hill seems so just, just very ambiguous and unsteady or unsure. Maybe the hill is a sin that was committed against you. You've forgiven that person who hurt you, but you feel alone and still engulfed with the hurt. Or the hill is your health. You're tired, you're worn out, beat down. You have certain physical limitations that when you look up at the hills, you're like, ain't no way I can overcome this. Sometimes the hill can just be good old classic discouragement. You feel low and, and you feel limited. You're, you're just like Eeyore from Winnie the Pooh, right? Like you just hang your head low. I don't even have the capacity to look up or let alone get up the hill. Let me ask you a question. With these hills surrounding you, have you 
ever asked like the psalmist asked before. Let's look at it again, cool? Psalm 121, I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come from? Again, y'all, when he asked, in essence, he asked this, who will help me now? Have y'all ever been in this situation or circumstance where you've asked this? Will you help me now? Y'all, I know I have. I think we can honestly, probably everybody in the room, say that we have been in that, right? Here's the thing, though. What, what the psalmist could see, y'all listen, this is so good. What the psalmist could see, a.k.a. the hills, told him that he was in trouble. But listen, he, <laughs> he wasn't ultimately trusting in what he could see. Woo, y'all, that'll preach all day. Did you catch it? Everlast. Why do we tend to only trust what we can see? Well, I think that there's many different reasons. But one that I think that's at the core is that trusting in what we can see gives us a sense of control. And that sense of control, although feels good for a brief moment, ultimately gives us a fake imaginary steering wheel that just takes us down the road and through the hills of anxiety and fear, taking a left turn to Depression Alley, Valley, and then going down a long thousand-mile stretch to, you know, the city of discouragement. Um, wh- okay, so, so check it out. Why, why else is it that when you've been freaking out over your finances, stressed to make your payments on time or whatever, and then a promotion happens, and then you freak out and rather in a good way, yes, ah, you're like, yeah. Finally, some relief, right? I don't have to stress out anymore. You, you, you feel good for a day or so, but then you just get right back to the feeling anxious again. Like, why is that? Why is that? Why, why, is, why is it that you get great news from the doctor about your health only to worry a couple days later? Why is it that you can reconcile with your brother or sister in Christ after they've hurt you only to still resent and hang on to the hurt in the past rather than to press forward. Why? Well, I think that our focus is rather on the wrong thing. You see, when your life is focused on living only by what you see, your destination will always be despair. If your life is only focused and only living only by what you see, your destination will always be despair. Trusting in what you see is a complete, y'all, it's a complete false sense of hope. It doesn't last. I love Psalm 33. We're going to read, it's going to be on the screen for you. I'll read along with me, just not out loud. You don't have to read it loud. Just read along with me. The king is not saved by his great army. Wow. A warrior is not delivered by his great strength. I love this. Listen to this. The war horse is a false hope for salvation. And by its great might, it cannot rescue. Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him, on those who hope in his steadfast love, that he may deliver their soul from death and keep them alive in famine. Our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and our shield, for our heart is glad in him. Because we trust in his holy name, let your steadfast love, O Lord, be upon us, even as we hope in you. Hebrews 11.1 says, I think y'all may know this, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the convictions of things not seen. Not seen. So back to our text tonight. 
what did the psalmist do? Let's, what did the psalmist do after seeing that he was surrounded by the hills? What did he do? He said this, right? My help comes from the Lord who made. Key word, y'all. Made heaven and earth. So this, what did the psalmist do? He initially and immediately reminded and told himself that God is bigger than the hills. God is bigger than the hills. He trusted God to help. Because y'all, trust isn't something that we just say. Trust is something that we do. Trust isn't something we just say. It's something that we do. As the psalmist imagined, y'all, listen, he imagined, you know, what, what he might suffer. Which, by the way, can I, can I just be frank? My name's not Kevin, real quick. I'm going to be frank. Hi, nice to meet you. I'm Frank. I, th- I feel like we do that too much, y'all. I do that too much. We do that too much. We imagine too much. Just let me explain. Cool? Meaning, we look at the hills surrounding us. And it's like we willingly conjure up in our mind how bad the hills suck. <laughs> and then we go ahead and paint pictures of bigger hills, building them up in our minds, when they honestly might not even be there. It's, it's my prayer that we would listen more to the voice of the Holy Spirit rather than our own, so that we don't make our circumstances a mountain out of the actual molehill that they are. Some of us, if not all of us, y'all, we need to really take some time this week, practically carve it out. Take some time, sit down, and honestly figure out. If, and ask God, if, is there an actual hill? Is this an, is, God, is this an actual hill that I'm facing? Or am I just crying over spilt milk? Because I feel like at times, y'all, we can stay too focused on the molehills when the actual hills aren't even being addressed. End of the day, though, big deal or small deal We need to learn how to let God deal with it. Either way, our response should be this, God, I trust you. I trust you. Check it out. God is the one who created it all, so therefore I can trust him with it all. Anyways, the psalmist looked beyond threats, beyond the hardship, uh, beyond the hills. He looked to God He looked to God who who is behind everything. Listen, if the hills around you suddenly look terrifying, y'all need to remember who made the hills. (laughs) Some of y'all need to hear that, man. I know I did. The truth of the matter is, Everlast, your God built each, each hill to its precise height, down to the tiniest fraction of an inch, He shaped every curve and cliff, planting every bush and flower and putting each rock in its place. He counted and scattered the blades of grass. Your God knows this hill, watches over this hill, governs this hill, and every hill. And yet, how quickly we're tempted to fear the hills. Surrounded by the hills. I love that song. It may look like I'm surrounded but I'm surrounded by you. It may look, sing it with me. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. Hallelujah. And and, and listen, (laughs) Everlast, 
We have to look beyond the hills. I tell you what, here's what I'd encourage you. Ask God practically to give you a bigger and better vision. He, and the thing is, he won't just give you binoculars. He'll give you a telescope to see further into his mighty control and his redeeming, loving hand in your life. The Lord can keep you, but there's, listen, there's nothing he can't do. The only thing God can't do is fail. <laughs> Listen, he can't and won't fail you. You need to know that tonight. No crisis or circumstance can overwhelm him. That's our God. He is never surprised or shaken everlasting. That's our God. He made all things, sustains all things, and rules all things, including every detail of our lives. That's our God. Even on the most difficult days, no hill is too high, no night is too dark for him. That's our God. When what you can see only screams anxiety, y'all see the strength of his power in all that he's made. Surely the God who made the mountains, like Jude 1.24 says, is able to keep you, keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. It's crazy, in Acts chapter 4, verse 24, uh, the religious leaders later threatened the apostles and warned them not to preach the gospel. It's crazy. And what they, they prayed a similar prayer. They prayed, Sovereign Lord, who made, who made the heaven and earth and the sea and everything in them. In that moment of crisis, they reminded themselves of how big and mighty their God is. God is large and in charge. What, so... Where did the early church find the courage to keep witnessing? If I think that's a great question in conjunction with that. Well, they began by remembering, again, how powerful their God was. The power they could see everywhere. They simply looked around. Y'all, it's honestly quite profoundly simple. Look around, look closely, and know that the Lord can keep you and will keep you. Isaiah 54, 17 says, No weapon that is fashioned against you shall succeed. That's something we can hang our hat on as believers in Jesus. That's why it's important to believe in Jesus. More on that in a little bit. What, the, what, what Isaiah 54, 17 is saying is this. No weapon of man, no weapon of Satan, no danger in nature can keep God from keeping you. So nothing, day or night, for as long as you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, nothing, no, nothing can rob you of your eternal life or his love. And again, more on this, believing in Christ for salvation. We're going to share that a little bit more later. Moving on in our text, let me just say this. Can I say this? I mean, can you all say it out loud? Say, God is attentive. Go and tell your neighbor, God is attentive. Go for it. God is attentive. The next verse, it reads this. Follow along with me. Psalm 121, we're going to keep going. He will not let your foot be moved. It's so cool. Other translations say that he won't let your foot slip. <laughs> I love that. God is going to keep my foot from slipping. Y'all, that's awesome. How, how awesome is that? He's going to keep us on the path. I kind of said it this way. Though sin will keep you tripping, God will keep you from slipping. 
was that was free. Even when you, what, what blows my mind, even when we have to sleep, all of us will go to sleep tonight. It's crazy. God will keep us then. In the moment where we're surrendering all of our awareness, because we're not aware, and, and, and honestly, our control of our circumstances, because we're definitely not in control when we're asleep. Psalm 121, 3 through 4, he who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. That's mind-blowing. That's our God. He promises to keep us. Also, since God is your keeper, he is your, we're going to keep going, verse 5, he is your shade on your right hand. Meaning no one is nearer to you than the one who keeps you. Nothing can come between you and your God. Reflective upon even Romans 8. Psalm 121, verses 6 through 7, let's keep going. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon, uh, moon by night. Uh, the Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. God is by our side, everlasting. Jesus said, that I, I love this. Jesus said that I'm not going to leave you alone. He said that he's not going to leave us comfortless either. Jesus said, I'm going to leave you the Holy Spirit. He'll be in you, with you, and upon you. Um, I love uh, the, the, the Greek word for comforter is parakletos, which is the one who, check it out, walks by our side. God the Father, through the person of the Holy Spirit, is always by our side. God is our strength. He's our shield and our shade. Three great S words. Strength, shield, shade. Say it with me. Strength, shield, and shade. Here's the question, though. Here's the, here's the question. How can God say he'll keep us from all evil when we seem to suffer so much evil? Like our own and others. If he's our keeper, if this is true, well, I, I, know, who, I know people that are sick. I know people who have died at a young age. It's crazy. My, my, my mom passed away at 35 years old. I turned 35 in a few months. And it's like, oh my gosh. Wow, perspective. You know, I've, I've known people who've died at a young age. I, I know people who've gotten a divorce, etc. If he's such a big time keeper, why didn't he keep them from all this stuff? It's a good question. It's a legitimate question. I need y'all to listen close, like really carefully. God does not say, God does not promise that he will keep you from the hills, but he promises to keep you in them. He's keeping me in it. Not keeping me from it. One of our awesome Everlast leaders shared this passage with us in a leader meeting tonight. Shared a testimony. Powerful testimony. Isaiah 43 verses 1 through 2. It's not on the screen so y'all just listen to this. He who created you, O Jacob. He who formed you, O Israel. God says this to you. Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. And through the rivers, 
they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through fire, you shall not be burned, and the flame shall not consume you. What God will do is this, everlasting. He'll enable you to walk through the hills. He will enable you to step above them. He will enable you to come out on the other side of them bettered than you would have if you would have avoided them. Jesus said this promise to his disciples in Luke chapter 21 and it's verses 16 and 18. I think he's on the screen for you. Jesus said this, you will be delivered up even by parents and brothers and relatives and friends. And some of you, they will put you to death, but not a hair of your head will perish. So, okay, okay, again, so how could someone be put to death and yet a hair is on their head isn't per- won't perish? Jesus says this in Matthew 10, 28, do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. You may be thinking that God's word is contradicting yourself in these moments, uh, contradicting yourself in these moments, but, but, but it, it's actually doing the opposite. <laughs> uh, here's the thing. Evil can, everlast, and will harm us in this life, but it can only do so much harm. Honestly, honestly. Satan can make months or years or even decades miserable, miserable for us. But y'all listen, his leash is short and eternity is long. <laughs> our flesh, our relationships, our feelings are painfully vulnerable for now, but our souls are perfectly, perfectly and perpetually safe. That is if you place your faith in Jesus. Going back to our text tonight, verse uh, 7 of Psalm 121, he will keep your life. The life that matters most, the most satisfying and the most um, meaningful life ever lasts, the one that lasts forever, our souls. All the more reason to not just know about, but rather uh, know God. <laughs> Something else I want you all to hear is this. Tonight. I want y'all, y'all to hear this tonight. If we don't regularly feel our need for keeping, if we don't regularly feel our need for keeping, we have lost our hold on reality itself. I'm going to say that again. If we don't regularly feel our need for keeping, we have lost our hold on reality itself. <laughs> we may have never really even known or felt reality in the first place. Let me, let me just hang with me here. Y'all need to... Can y'all be aware of this? Our pastor shares it every week. Pastor, our senior pastor, love this dude. Praise it over our church every week. Numbers chapter 6, verse 24. Y'all need to be aware that if the Lord bless you and keep you, if that verse sounds stale, you know, nice, maybe necessary someday, rather than urgent and indispensable, we are far more vulnerable than we realize. But, hallelujah, if you do feel your need for keeping, if you feel your weakness and wonder how you'll make it, y'all then take heart. <laughs> Jesus prayed and continues to pray for our keeping. Did you know that? Jesus prays for our keeping. It's nuts. John 17, verse 11. I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world. And I'm coming for you. Holy Father, keep them in your name. You have an inheritance, did y'all know that? Imperishable, undefiled and unfading that God is keeping for you. 
and God is keeping you for it. First Peter chapter 1, verses 3-5, through five, it's going to be on the screen. Check it out, read along with me. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you who by God's power and are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. I talked to um, our uh, worship leader, Wesley, today, and I told him uh, about just a poem that uh, I got a vision from the Lord a while back. I was spending time at my mom's grave. I think I was like 20 years old. And I got such a sweet vision from the Lord, and I just kind of had this idea of like, man, what if God in his godness, (laughs) is that a word? Let me have 10 minutes with mom. Just 10 minutes with my mom. Like, what would that 10 minutes look like? And I actually wrote a poem, and I titled it 10 Minutes with Mom. (laughs) Uh, Very original, right? And uh, you can laugh. It's good. Um, Thank you. Um, uh, And and in this poem, I just was writing, and and at first I thought, man, I'm going to tell her all about all my accolades, and I'm going to tell her about all that I've accomplished, and I can't wait to hug her neck and smell her and, ah, Ah, you know, just tell her, just, just, yes, tell her how awesome I am. <laughs> Whatever, you know, get her approval, all the things that a, a, a son seeks from his mom. And then the Holy Spirit just, just brought this sweet revelation to me that none of that would happen. I'm sure we would embrace each other, cool, um, if God allowed this, you know, that moment, 10 minutes. But, uh, but rather, um, I just realized that my mom would preach the gospel to me, would remind me, Kev, why are you worrying? He is in control. She would remind me to not, uh, that I've already been approved in Jesus. I don't have to seek it elsewhere. She would remind me that God is my keeper and that he's kept a place for me. And like, trust me, Kev, I've seen it. It's huge. You know, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Um, he keeps us and he keeps our place in heaven. Do you know that do you, I'm sorry, let me, ask, let, me, let me ask it this way. Do you know what the hills and trials you are facing will draw you into? Well, they will draw you into a deeper relationship with God. They will help you grow in your understanding of how, just how huge he is and his love towards you. In essence, check this out. If you avoid the difficulty, you'll avoid the intimacy with God. That's huge. If you avoid the difficulty, you avoid the intimacy with God. Over the years, y'all, I've actually learned to embrace the hills (laughs) rather than just try to get through them. Because I know that there is a depth to God's heart that I will experience. There is a depth to my biblical manhood that I know he wants me, he wants to work in me. And womanhood for you ladies, same thing. It's when I recognize this that I I agree with David. I say, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Again, I know that God's not keeping me from it. No, no, no. He's keeping me in it for a purpose, for his glory and for my good. My good doesn't necessarily define what his good is. I wrote a song with two sisters of ours here. We sang it this past weekend and we titled it, You Know What's Best for Me. His ways are higher. I'm glad I'm not in control because he knows better. He knows what's best for me. 
Y'all, God uses the hills. He uses them. All of our pain, all of our difficulty to conform us into the likeness of Christ. Here's the thing. For those that don't know Jesus personally yet, you only know about him and you don't know him tonight. Maybe you're invited. Until you trust Jesus to save you and be the Lord of your life, you won't have a keeper. One more quick note before we wrap up tonight. Actually, before I go to that, if you don't know Jesus personally, please come find me, one of our leaders. We'd love to just talk. Just talk about it. Any questions we'd love to answer? Hallelujah. Another quick note before we wrap up tonight. Hills, can I say this real quick? Hills aren't meant to be walked through alone. I like to put it this way. If the hills are around you, who surrounds you? Who surrounds you? Is it just you? There's been many times, y'all, many times, where it's been just my little friend, my, my, my three little friends with me, me, myself, and I. <laughs> now, don't hear what I'm not saying. The church isn't our ultimate help. No. And it isn't something that we first run to. No. We run to God. God has gifted us, though, the church to help. The church is a great way that the Lord ultimately helps. Listen, don't walk through the hills alone. You can come to Everlast every week. You can even go to our life groups, which is meant to actually grow in community. And you can still be isolated, unplugged, and not genuinely in community. And please, y'all, please, Everlast, please know that if you're genuinely plugged in community, that is being intentional more than just the small talk that happens here on Tuesday nights. If you're getting to know and, and, and walking with each other, that's the thing. You have to know that everyone is walking their own hills. We're all walking in the hills. Give each other some breaks here. <laughs> and being in the hills themselves, they may hurt you. Those people may hurt you or lash out to you, whatever. Y'all, we have, we have to give grace to each other. How do we do this? We receive the grace from God. Listen, the grace you give to each other is the extent of the grace you know that you need and that has been given to you from Jesus. Y'all, listen, no one gives grace better than the person who knows that they need it themselves. Everlast, God promises to keep us. This promise is one that we need. Y'all, we need to know it in our bones. In our bones. Whatever hill that's surrounding you right now, remind yourself of who made the hills. God's bigger than the hills. Hallelujah. We Y'all, we have to look beyond the hills. Just like the psalmist, where does my help come from? God is the one who created it all, so therefore you can trust him with it all. Wherever he calls you to go, friends, however hard the journey feels, whatever hills emerge along the way, hear the, let's go to the final verse. Let's, I encourage you, hear the final verse from our text tonight. Psalm 121, verse 8. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. Amen.